On today's podcast episode, we are interviewing Joseph from Debutify. Debutify is one of the best, highest converting free Shopify theme out there. And Joseph is also the host of Ecom Onyx. I think I'm saying that right. Ecom Onyx. It's like a weird little name in there, but he has a podcast where he interviews uh, just absolute winners in the space of drop shipping and e-commerce. Uh, so definitely check that out. And we're going to be talking about the podcast. We're going to be talking about the beautify and we're going to be talking about social media and marketing and how everything works as one. Check it out. This is the Marketing Natives, providing actionable ways to grow, improve, and succeed in your business. And now, your hosts, Christian and Aaron. Joseph, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the Marketing Natives. This is going to be a ton of fun, um, and you have a unique role, a unique position, and really like a unique way of of looking at businesses, specifically for e-commerce. So, um, you. If, if you could tell us a little bit about um, your role and what you do, and a little bit more about yourself. Sure thing. So, I'll start with my role and what I do, which is part and parcel as to uh, why I'm here today and why I got to to meet you guys is I'm the host of Ecom Onyx, that is E-C-O-M-O-N-I-C-S. If Google tells you how it should be spelled, tell them no, not this time, Google. <laughs> uh, and I am the, okay, so I'm the host of the, of the program, uh, and I'm also the um, multimedia manager for, with, for the Debutify company, uh, which means that I'm also part of the creative process for the YouTube content, uh, which my colleague Connor works on. Um, right now, we're actually working on webinars, so I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm managing that project as well. And um, just to, I also, I think as part of this, I should tell people what Debutify is just to uh, help paint a clear picture. So very simply, Debutify is a Shopify template. Uh, it's designed by, well, I mean, there is a long design process to it, but in its current form, it has uh, been under the guidance of Ricky Hayes, who is uh, uh, well known in the e-commerce space as a uh, successful and popular dropshipper. What we wanted to do with Ecomonics is be able to, uh, with a lot of the content that a lot of companies make, be able to provide value for other people, but also to, and this is an analogy that I love using, where I like to look at Ecomonics as a, I almost got myself that time, as a ship that heads off into the e-commerce galaxy and or the e-commerce universe and makes contact with other um, planets or ships or stations or wherever, whatever metaphor you guys want to choose, feel free. It's uh, it's up to you on that one. And um, building relationships, um, business relationships, partnerships. Uh, we've had some people who have been very enthusiastic and then they come to the podcast and then either they become an affiliate or they become um, one of the integrations, uh, say like SMS bump. I got to talk to somebody a couple of weeks ago about that. Um, so for me personally, it's it's just been insane. It has been absolutely insane since I joined the company in July of this year, because I've been doing media for about 10 years. And most of the media content that I worked on has been local here in the Toronto scene. And I, at the, at the apex of lockdowns where most people were like, well, not much to do. I said, I think that's a really good time to find a job because that's how my logic system works. And since then, um, where I, it, it's, uh, just uh, entering my 30s, this has probably been the most amount of learning that I've done in my entire life. And it's amazing to be able to learn is really part of my job. And with the beauty of the show, and this is one of the things that I recommend people is to go as chronologically as they have the patience for, because what they'll see is as time goes on, their understanding can mirror my understanding. Because I, while I'm, I'm, I'm good at media, I, I'm completely green to the e-commerce space. So by now, we've, we've gone to like episode 80, uh, somewhere around there. And the questions that I'm asking have evolved. I'm not asking people to clarify the terminology so much, you know, like ROAS. Okay, I got that one down. I got it. And, um, and I can continue to, at some point, we'll see, like give it a year, give it a two years. And I want to be able to prove that the, the philosophy that anybody can do this. Because from what I've seen, anybody can. I've seen people from chemistry, people from engineering, uh, people from the military, really anybody uh, in any shape or form could be incentivized to get into e-commerce and uh, and reshape their life in a way that they see fit. Very interesting. So 
you're saying that you didn't necessarily start with the e-com route of things. You were more of the media creator. Uh, and through this journey, you've learned about everything that has to do with, with e-com, right? And e-com businesses. Yeah, I, I would say that e-commerce is, in, when, we, when we hear the term, um, I think the most gimmicky view of it tends to be the one that rises to the surface first, but really it's far more integrated into our, our society, especially I would give it like the last 20 years. So the previous job that I worked, uh, contractually, I'm not allowed to say anything negative about it. So for, but I, I don't have too much negative to say anyways, but the last sales job that I worked was basically technically e-commerce. I was a salesperson and I would receive phone calls um, all over the world. I would I'd log on to Amazon Connect and I would get phone calls from people in Germany, in the UK, Australia, uh, Canada, the United States, and all of these people wanted to order luxury watches. So it, it was interesting because once I had learned about dropshipping, I had realized, oh, wait a minute, I have been doing this. I mean, I wasn't running the company or anything like that, but I was uh, participating in a business model very similar to dropshipping. Um, the only difference I guess would be it might be a little it might have been a little bit closer to arbitrage because we had multiple sources and so our our website would list what were available based off what the sources would tell us were available and then we would uh, source the orders from there so it wasn't like we had like one direct supplier or we weren't getting it directly from the luxury watch companies we were getting it from the authorized dealers and here's the beauty of it the authorized dealers many of which it being the watch industry were from the old school mentality and not, it didn't really occur to them to, I don't know, even have a website, let alone uh, be, be participate in e-commerce as it is now. And so what the company was doing is they would reach out to these authorized dealers and explain what's going on and say, look, some of these watches, you're having a hard time moving, but we have a global market at our disposal. If you are willing to um, source through us, then we can get that product moving. Whereas otherwise you it, it would have just been sitting collecting dust. So the point there is that I think most people have participated in uh, e-commerce in some way. And I, and I think if you just take the, the broad look at it, it is all just commerce at this point. I mean, at, at what point are we going to understand that we no longer need to separate the internet side from you know, the, the mortal side? It's all pretty much the, the same now. Absolutely. So there, I think you can probably shine a light on a lot of things here and- uh, I'll do my best. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're setting the stage pretty high here. Um, or the bar rather. So what I would think, what I was, would be interested in is, is what's, there's so many different Shopify themes, right? So what's the difference between you guys have been around, you guys obviously have a team. What makes it Debutify different? Like what have you guys figured out from using your theme compared to others? Um, I think at the end of the day, people want it to make sure that it looks good and it has a good conversion rate, but what kind of sets you apart? What are you guys seeing in, in, in the industry as far as Shopify themes right now? Sure thing. Uh, that's a great question. Um, some of it is value. There are a number of add-ons. Right now we have uh, 40, 41 add-ons available. And a lot of these add-ons will parallel an app that somebody else might have to install uh, separately, which increases management, could make things a little bit messier on the back end, but also could increase prices too. So while a lot of them are free, oftentimes in order to uh, scale, what you end up happening is, what ends up happening is a number of those apps will then have to scale in terms of, are you using the, the, the free plan? Do you have to use the master plan? Do you have to use a grandmaster uh, deacon plan? Well, now all of those apps have increased in price as well. So over time, um, instead, if you just upgrade to one of the uh, more premium plans on Debutify, you actually save exponentially the more you scale. So that's part of the value. Then you have the community too. We have our Facebook group. I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of us have our Facebook groups. We, we have a contrib contribution in that sense as well. So we, we, our strategy is to have a mixture of B2C community, but also a strong B2B community. So a lot of the people who have succeeded through e-commerce have a lot of opportunities thanks to their relationship with the Beautify. Maybe they'll start up their own agency and they'll want to actually um, uh, contribute to the, uh, the integration uh, side of it. Maybe they'll want to join the Dropshipping Council, which is this um, 
collection of people who've reached like the seven figure, eight figure range and are having a hard time finding other like-minded people to have that similar experience with. So you can, uh, you can apply for that. Um, there's product research. So our, our more premium side of it will actually start sourcing uh, potential winning products for you. So we can help save time in that regard. Very cool. Um, one, I didn't, I wasn't really thinking about that, uh, the community side of things, but that's definitely something that would be beneficial for, uh, like, like you said, the B2C, but also I think it is a lead generator for somebody like an agency like us just to add value and to join that community. And is it for free to join that group or is it like you have to, you know, basically part, be part of the Debutify company or like purchase the theme first and then you join the group or what's the, how do you access the group? How do you get, you know, that knowledge from people you're talking about? I, I think uh, that that's a good question. I'd say that if I think if I wanted to join the Facebook group right now, I probably could, but the entry level is you just have the, even the, even the free theme uh, would be enough to warrant entering into the Facebook community. So we're pretty open about it. And then also, we also have our YouTube side as well. And so a lot of people are engaged on the YouTube side because they'll comment on the video and then they'll engage in a dialogue there. Uh, we also are doing lives now too. So we can have a, um, uh, in discussions in real time um, uh, with Connor, who's doing the live presentation, something that I'll be joining in as well uh, as time unfolds. Uh, you've mentioned dropshipping a couple times. Sure. Would you say that these, uh, the, I mean, not these, the, the Beautify theme uh, is for dropshippers exclusively, or will this theme work for um, other customers? Uh, I mean, luckily, because as a Shopify template, you can go different routes if you want to. It was designed with dropshipping in mind because the 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 I guess the thesis of dropshipping is that it is the lowest cost uh, entry level method for people to start doing their own e-commerce business. That's also scalable too. Um, mm -hmm. Not to dissuade anybody who um, makes um, I guess more boutique or small batch product. Right. Uh, it, it 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 could be for them if they have uh, if they. Uh, choose to scale. Um, somebody that I had spoken to uh, just uh, last week, her name is uh, Freya James, her episode will be out uh, in a couple of months, but um, I'll tell you her story real quick because I think this is a, a good example of how a small batch can scale. Now, I don't, uh, she's not using a, a shop of uh, our, our theme yet, but just to give you guys an example of this particular strategy before we'll get back to dropshipping is that there was demand um, because her audience were following her on YouTube and she had to make a, uh, a shea butter cream that was uh, not only good for her, but good for her uh, infant uh, uh, daughter. And it, she developed it herself. And then the, uh, the audience said, can we have that too? And so demand just started increasing naturally. So there is a way for small batch to end up scaling. And so it, it could certainly work out for them too. But yes, it is. it was made for dropshipping in mind because that's where um, Ricky, the uh, the, the the one who handles the marketing side of it, that's where he came from. And the reason why he's uh, as prominent as he is is because dropshipping was there for him to do that. I myself am participating in dropshipping now too. Uh, nice. I, I've, got, I've got my own store going up. I, I'm learning just how many things can uh, be obstruction or how many obstructions there can be. So there's definitely a lot um, that can go awry, but it takes the weight off my shoulders that I don't have hundreds of them sitting in my apartment uh waiting to ship i haven't right. put the money down on that yet quick question on that um would you argue that majority of employees at the beautify have their own e-com businesses drop shipping you know i haven't asked so <laughs> i i don't have like a survey of results for it <laughs> i'll be curious I, to know <laughs> i i think well i think the pressure changes from person to person i think myself and my and my youtube counterpart i think the pressure on us is a lot more to do this because I mean, really what excuse do I have not to? Like I get to talk to people every week who are sharing actionable tips on how to make it work. Mm -hmm. uh, I get the theme, I, I, I get the theme. <laughs> right. the so I do get that. Um, uh, and also, I mean, there is money to be made. So I do like making money. So uh, that definitely factors into the motivation. And, and just um, going back to the point that I made earlier is that I, I, I can't not, like I have to, uh, I have to prove that um, this is all, uh, this hasn't been for not that this is a, a viable method that anybody can do. Now, do I expect my first store to hit seven figures? Mm, 
I don't know about that one. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but, and even if it doesn't take off, that's okay. It's still a great deal of learning for, for me personally. So I don't know, is there, do our customer service uh, people run their store? Do our, um, do our developers running their stores? I haven't asked, <laughs> so you know I will be sharing this uh, this uh, podcast with them on our on our group chat. So if anybody uh, from the company is doing their own store, let me know. I I, I haven't figured that one out yet. Uh, I I would say too that motivation does have a lot to do with you know how happy people are in their current state. You have entrepreneurship, which uh, and a lot of people who are drawn to it do so because what system um, or what structure they were a part of either wasn't working for them or actually cho- like actively rejects them, which is something that I take pride in. I've tried to be part of a part of numerous systems and each time they, they, they boot me out the door. Uh, I believe I had a hat and all that. Um, even if you, if you look into uh, Ricky's story, he was, he was motivated for that same thing. He wanted to create uh, a company more of what he wanted to work for too. So I, I think a lot of people are happy with the company and, and entrepreneurship entails a lot more risk. You know, even, even with drop shipping being a factor, it's still a lot more risk. There's a lot more uncertainty involved and there's no guarantee of a paycheck coming in. So uh, I can totally understand why not everybody feels it's the right call for them. So you've done at this point, like you said, almost 80 episodes uh, recorded, not necessarily released. Um, but I'm just curious. So is there, are there any overarching um, things that, that align the people that you're listening or that you've talked to. So the ones who are quote unquote successful or the people you have on the guests, they've obviously had some level of success, but is there anything that's, that's specifically like, okay, they all have these things in common or they have these things that they figured out. Um, not necessarily just with the theme, but just overall in general, or there's some commonalities between the two, between everybody that you come across. That's a great question. Um, some of that will depend on whether or not I'm talking to, because I remember my conversation with you, it was uh, partially with you, but it was also uh, on behalf of your agency. So I do notice some through lines when I'm talking to agencies. And one of my main questions with agencies is when you get to collect data from multiple sources, what do you learn in aggregate that say like an in-house person who's doing the same work couldn't learn because they're not studying or not they're not learning from other ones. Um, but with the, with individuals, the the single most fundamental through line is, and it's going to sound a little corny, but I mean it. It's freedom. It's the ability to uh, be our own bosses and choose uh, who, who, who whom to serve and how to serve. And by that, I mean our customers and what products we want to sell to them. It's the ability to, and also the the capacity to view the world more as a um, uh, as a means to accomplish my goals rather than a number of obstacles. And I'm just trying to get as far as I can at the mercy of the world. So everybody that I've talked to, they they want their freedom. They want time to be with their family. They want to travel. They want to serve people in the way they see fit. Um, um, most, if not all of them, are just making content for free because they're so grateful for what uh, e-commerce did for them that they want to give other people that opportunity. And even me, I... I, I, I'm an employee of the company, but even so, just being in the e-commerce space has given me a lot more freedom than um, being in uh, even a, like a, what was before, which was partially retail, partially uh, e-commerce, and I was more free there versus even going to like a full-on retail store, uh, which I've also done in the past where I was actually very, very limited. And not just limited, by the way, about how many hours I would have to work there, but also uh, commuting. Whereas I would have to commute, you know, an hour there and then an hour to get home. And so if I was working four hours or six hours, however many, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, then I actually would lose another, what, 10, 12 hours, just not being paid. Uh, In fact, costing me money to go there. So that was very limiting uh, on my freedom. So yeah, freedom is definitely uh, the thing. Uh, above all else, uh, there might be like a runner-up. If it comes to me, I'll let you know. But it's definitely freedom. So that's that's I was going to say the driving factor for what I think makes them successful, right? They, or that's what's pushing them forward to make that possible. Have, what what kind of products do you see this working with? Like, you know, obviously, I think yours is the under when we talked, it was the the desk, right? So yeah. 
and for the video, it's like underneath the desk that makes something like what we have, like an actual drawer. But what kind of products are people using or, or are they starting? Are they doing it more so for problems that they have or is it just something they know about or how exactly are they picking products too? Yeah, and one of the things about scaling upwards is is to try to um, not come so much from the view of being a, a fellow consumer, but you do have to be a marketer. And I think the key thing of being a marketer is being a thought leader and not only looking for the solution to the problem, but looking for the problem as well. Like for instance, with the with the the, the self staking drawers, is that people didn't really like. I don't know, people don't really think about that because they, we just, well, you know, this is our desk, there's everything on it. And so there's the immediate solution. And then there's the uh, underlying philosophy behind it, which is how do we rethink the space around us? You know, what if we can find things that we can stick to our walls, stick to our ceilings? Now I have not only marketed a product, but I've also uh, engaged people uh, intellectually in a way that they haven't considered before, which by the way, this is mainly hypothetical. My, my, my story is rather slow going. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bit of a slow learner, but that's okay. Now, as for a lot of the people that I've talked to, um, there are some niches that are proven effective. Pets is a fantastic niche. Uh, everybody wants to take good care of their pet. Uh, pets are a highly emotional uh, niche and uh, we we just I don't know maybe maybe dogs or, or cats aren't uh, as discerning as human beings I guess it does depend on the breed to some extent but um, solving problems for pets is the same thing as like uh, are you uh, concerned about maybe your pet uh, uh, does your pet like to go out at night maybe there's a way to put like a little bit of a of a spark a sparkling keychain on there just so that they have a little bit more visibility that's just me kind of like pulling an item out of out of thin air so pets are big. Um, babies is another one. You'll notice that emotionality is a through line here. Um, parents are very enthusiastic and are highly emotionally connected to their child. So uh, they want to do everything that they can to um, ra raise their child, um, not only safe, but also happy, whether that's a toy or uh, one, one product I remember seeing uh, uh, quite a while ago uh, during some of my onboarding was this uh, cereal bowl that had a gyroscopic handle to it so that no matter how the baby was moving the bowl around, it would always stay even, thus reducing but not preventing um, spilling. Hmm. Um, jewelry is pretty good too. The margins of, uh, on jewelry are quite good. Uh, the issue is packaging um, and, and preference. It, it's a very different thing to wear the jewelry and still be satisfied with it. Uh, so it can work, um, but there are uh, it, it can be tricky. Um, some of it is also just observing what's going on in the world. I'm not the first person to talk about the coronavirus, uh, even today. And to and so in the last year, how have the trends changed? There's a lot more DIY. There's a lot more people trying to do things on their own. So you can see some increase in, say, like home gyms, for instance, more people working out at home uh, than average. I was curious on the paid traffic. So you mentioned the marketing side, right? So everybody for drop shipping to work, it doesn't really, it matters about the industry. You mentioned that a little bit, right? So that's, that's part of it, but everybody has to be good at the marketing side. What have you, what do you guys suggest? What did, how did Ricky kind of, um, do his drop shipping? Was it through Facebook ads, Instagram ads? What did, what are people using whenever you're talking to them? Like how are they driving sales through marketing? Sure. So Facebook ads has been, uh, I would say, the, the, the number one uh, traffic source. Google ads is good too. Uh, and then you can also do a lot of um, organic marketing, say on social media or like Instagram, where if somebody has a brand, um, let's just say they're in the pet niche and they look for other influencers within like a, a, a certain scalable range. Uh, you don't want to go too high because it's going to be kind of hard to even get their attention and they might have more demand, but it's an individual thing. So uh, uh, I'll, I'll digress on that. Um, so go, but with Facebook, you, what you'll notice about consumer behavior is that if I'm looking for something on Google, my intent is already set. I, I do know what I'm looking for. So the, the advertising isn't trying to hook me quite as much. It's more about just being there, being presentable. 
Um, and you, and you, if you look at Amazon, for instance, Amazon is even more set because not only am I intent on searching for it, I'm intent on paying for it. So there's the, 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 the competition is more refined there. Facebook is all discovery. People go onto Facebook and while one could search through Facebook, for the most part, people are on Facebook and they're scrolling and we're just looking for, uh, I don't know, our quota of our daily dopamine hits. And it could be any number of things. It could be news posts. It could be um, uh, updates from groups. Somebody shares a video, content from other uh, websites uh, as well. And what you do and what uh, Ricky done and what he's the master of is understanding how to uh, get people's attention through those ads. And there's there's a specific formula to advertising. I'm not saying that there aren't other formulas, but there is a specific one um, that's relevant here uh, that's been thought very carefully about how it's effective on Facebook, which is you have about two, maybe three seconds to hook somebody. So you what you're looking for is a scroll stopper, something that gets people's attention and then Old, old bad way, new good way, uh, ask them uh, questions about how uh, they would like to uh, see things changed. And then you offer them that change. Uh, and then you end on a call to action. And and part of it is, by the way, you're as much as it would be great to convert them into a sale right away, what's more important is warming the audience to your brand. And then once they have, and I know I've, I haven't listened to everyone, uh, every episode of you guys, I listened to a couple of just to kind of like uh, get a feel for how you guys do the content. I'm certain this has been talked about um, to some extent is once the customer has, you know, joined my, my website and they're there, they become an asset. We get, we get their email and you do remarketing. And as good as it might seem that somebody converts into a sale right away, what we would rather see is actually a more of a quantity of potential uh, customers down the line. So they might need some more warming before they're ready to convert, but the priority is to get as many people onto the website as possible, and they will over time convert into sales. So it's, it's a game of patience uh, a lot of the time is don't worry so much about getting them to spend the money right away, uh, warm them. And so that way, rather than them like kind of like reluctantly spending and ending up with buyer's remorse or leaning too too much into fear of missing out, it gets them to the point where they are ready and they're happy to buy and they're happy to support the company. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot of, of, of what we do. Um, and that's very interesting that you know so much about this this other field where, I mean, to beautify is, is a theme, right? And I think uh, it doesn't necessarily, you guys don't necessarily deal with that marketing side of things, but you do educate, right? Um, your, your clients on, on that. It's, the Beautify, correct me if I'm wrong, it just works on, on Shopify, right? Yeah, uh, for now, it's just a Shopify. Okay. Um, and then I, I just gotta say this because you mentioned it earlier, but it, it's absolutely genius to include all these add-ons, which are features. And like you said earlier, they compete with actual apps. Um, I, I don't think a lot of uh, consumers necessarily think about that whenever they're choosing a theme inside of Shopify, uh, that a lot of these themes don't have the necessary things that you need uh, in order to to get that email address. You know, that simple email address that you're talking about, Shopify completely ignores that the aspect of it. Uh, I believe some things may have like a little pop-up and that's it. And it's a very basic, simple pop-up and that's it. Um, and that's about the extent of what Shopify gives you uh, versus the Beautify that you guys have just kind of completely looked at, I feel like all the top players as far as apps, right? And seeing, okay, how can we do this, but actually integrate it into our theme, right? Have it as an add-on. Um, one, it's a lot better than having all these different sources where your, your website is pulling from, you know, different sort, different uh, servers, different codes. Um, so it makes your website a lot faster to have all this stuff integrated um, within the theme. So um, absolute kudos. And I think that should be like one of those uh, top selling points. And I'm sure it is a top selling point. Um, but, but I don't think on the, on the consumer end, I don't think they realize, you know, um, how much, you know, energy and, and time and effort they're, they're saving by having some, uh, uh, sort of a complete solution almost right. Um, to all the, the marketing needs that they will need, uh, from the website. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great point. So uh, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. One thing I'm going to say in complete fairness uh, and complete transparency, it is possible that somebody might have specific requirements for say the newsletter pop-up. And they may end up wanting to install an app um, specific to their needs. So that's mm -hmm. cool. 
but that's okay. There's another 39 other uh, add-ons that uh, you're, you're welcome to use to your to your discretion. So uh, some of it, I think, also has to do with trust. So I didn't just notice this with Debutify. I noticed this with other um, agencies, especially ones that focus on the uh, third-party logistics, uh, like Udropy, which I talked to early on, and uh, Yakify, which I... Um, uh, uh, which endeared me to their service too. So I'm actually using them as my uh, uh, 3PL is, and, and okay, there's, there's a few steps here. So one is to put the seller or the marketer at ease and know that I am working with people who want me to win and they're continuing to do research and development to understand how to improve these stores. And like you say, um, minimize load time so that we're, we're saving consumer time in aggregate. And second is just to be able to try these uh, add-ons out and even just discover them for the first time for myself, uh, trusting that, well, they wouldn't add this unless this was something useful. So I'm, I'm continuing to, uh, to trust them in that, in that sense. Uh, because uh, again, the reason why I bring up the third-party logistics companies is that marketers want to sell and they want to put all of their uh, creative energy into solving problems for customers and not having to solve problems for themselves on the back end. Now there are people who love back end, and um, I, I myself I'm like a hybrid. Like I'm I, I can lean both front end and back end, so I do enjoy both sides of it. But I've I've talked to some people who like they love being in accounting, or they they love um, yeah I guess what well, marketing is technically front end. So I'm blanking on like what would be another back end issue that people love. But uh, point being is that if you don't love, you're not passionate about it, it is going to take more energy to handle that. So uh, just find somebody that you can trust and Debutify is very trustworthy and get in the research and knowing what it takes to convert customers. <clears throat> yeah, I was going to say that the website I had to pull up here, you guys have uh, quite a few downloads and people who are using the site each month. So it's not like you guys are going to go away tomorrow. So it's going to be there, uh, which is also huge kudos. Thank you. I think one thing that you know just the industry as a whole and just, you can hopefully take this with a grain of salt but and i think this is a conversation christian and i have had as well which is that there's so many people on youtube and so many people out there that are kind of the the term drop shipping is just not as favorable to some people because it, there's people there's people who there's bad apples with them right yeah so how do you guys address drop shipping in a positive light and say hey look there's bad apples out there but there's a lot of good for drop shipping and and that consumers can get it behind as well because like sometimes if you tell people hey i'm a drop shipper they're like ah oh, so you know like the quality can't be good or that the product isn't going to be good or whatever um so how do you guys kind of combat that that you know maybe that's just our perception or my perception um of the industry from what i've seen on youtube and stuff but how do you guys kind of combat that that conversation it's definitely a, uh, a big issue. So uh, you're, not, you're not an outlier to bring it up at all. Um, some of this has to do with community and social proof. Uh, if you go through our landing page, you will see that there are a number of um, uh, prominent figures in the, in the e-commerce space. Uh, one of them that comes to my mind is uh, Camille Sitar, who was just recently, he was interviewed, I think on like NBC. So a lot of this just has to do with each individual member of the e-commerce community to act as a pillar of trust. And so that while I'm, let's just say I'm, I, I'm into e-commerce and I found one of the, the YouTubers first and they recommend Debutify or I could just go on to Debutify and then I say, oh wait, I recognize that guy. And, and, the, and the more open they are, the more trust that they facilitate to the community at large. So it is, it is a community effort. Everybody has to pull their weight to, um, to make it more trustworthy. And I think in any industry, right, there's going to be bad apples. I think in a weird way, having people who uh, try to get away with something they shouldn't get away with. This is going to sound very weird, but it might actually legitimize the business because if there people wouldn't take advantage unless there was something to take advantage of. So you, we do have good actors, but then we do have bad actors. And those bad actors, we can spend all day trying to uh, engage them directly, but it's a waste of energy. But we do use them as a means to understand how to better communicate with customers so that they are pushed even further into the shadows. Yeah, I think, well, that's a, I mean, that's great insight. I think that's helpful for me and also people who listen to the podcast and then also for Chris and I just to have better conversations to educate people um, is, you know, how do, how do, what is this? And then what is drop shipping? And then how, how can we best explain? Because I think as long as, you know, for, for both of us or all three of us, really, 
we want e-commerce to grow because e-commerce is just, um, it's not only how we've built our livelihood, but it also helps more people and what you brought back earlier, which is that freedom. So e-commerce gives opportunity to freedom. And if people aren't willing to try something because they have a negative connotation, then they kind of suppress their freedom at that point. So I, hopefully those who are listening realize that, um, you know, there, yeah, there are the good and the bad apples out there. It's just, we're kind of talking in 2021 right now and it's still, it's crazy. Like if you looked at e-commerce on like a, a bar graph or something, it's so early on, right? If you're going to compare it to even the retail space, it's still not bigger than retail, like a physical retail. It's still not bigger than so many things. It has the most potential, but it's still kind of in an infancy stage. And I think that's kind of what is confusing to some people. Just my thoughts, I guess. I, I, one thing I would say is, generationally speaking, I, I myself, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 31. And so I still have time to like try to adapt to new technologies before too much of my brain crystallizes. But I will say that over time, certain generations are going to um, adapt to things much more easily. And so a lot of the work here is to uh, legit legitimize the industries for up and coming generations. I think like Amazon, for instance, they're, they're massive. And I think pretty much every generation recognizes Amazon and, and utilizes them. Um, so that part of the foundation has been set. And uh, I, I would love to see what, what point will Amazon end up. I don't think though, I, I don't see them falling, but you never know, right? There's, we've, we've seen other giants fall in the past. So we'll, we'll see, but I'm pretty sure they're going to stick around. Yeah. Uh, you're missing different generations. Uh, I would say this generation, so the one upcoming Gen Z um, are obviously uh, TikTok fanatics, right? Yeah. Um, what, what are your thoughts on TikTok? What does what the future of e-com uh, look like in, in combination with, with TikTok? Sure. So I have good things to say about TikTok and I have some not so good things to say about TikTok. Uh, the not so good is that it it is highly addictive. Uh, people can get a, a dopamine hit um, far quicker than they can get it on Facebook or, or even scrolling through YouTube. And so I, I do worry about um, how it's going to affect people's ability to restrain themselves. Um, so, so there's that. But the positive that I'll say about TikTok is that not only is it an entertainment platform, it has transformed into a community all of its own uh, around uh, e-commerce. Um, one of the guests that I spoke to, his name is uh, Austin uh, Rabin. And he, a lot of his ability to communicate with people was via TikTok. And what's interesting too, and I talked to him about this too, is that uh, funneling those people from TikTok into YouTube has actually been a challenge because they're conditioned to receive their content in, those, uh, in, in that bite-sized manner. Um, but but there, are, there, is a, there are stories about it, about how the, uh, the, the, a whole e-commerce uh, mini industry has formed up around TikTok. So, um, all of these platforms can be adapted to for a business platform can be adapted for leisure in the way like uh, Zoom started as a business platform, if my memory serves. And now lots of people are using Zoom leisurely. Uh, but TikTok started as a leisure platform can be adapted to and it has been adapted to a, a, a business conferencing uh, platform. Yeah, that's, that's actually ironic because I was just before this coming in here talking to some of our clients, telling them. Hey, look, you've done a couple of TikToks, make one specific for this and we're going to just test out $500 here and let's start advertising on TikTok because the cost is just so much lower. But yeah, they're an e-commerce business. Um, it just makes sense to get in front of people and let's test. It's still so early. So I think that's definitely something to be said for that. You, it was absolutely a leisure platform. And I think last year with, um, you know, with the the start of the pandemic, it just kind of forced people to be creative and do fun things and then just exploded TikTok because it was perfect for that. Um, go ahead. Did you have a thought on that? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, just from my own experience with TikTok, I, I, I downloaded it and I was um, and I was using it for about two days and I realized, okay, this, this no, okay, these, these, these kids are, these kids are too, oh, I'm out, I'm out. <laughs> um, but I, what I really appreciate about the creative side is when you put limitations on people, it encourages them to rethink how they're going to tell a story. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, do you guys recall uh, Vine by any chance? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, rest in peace, Vine. But Vine was the progenitor for what TikTok is now. And um, 
there, there's this hilarious like series of uh, um, Will Sasso vines where uh, anytime somebody brought up the word lemon, he would all of a sudden like a lemon would pop out of his mouth and he would shoot it out. Like there's there's a vine where I look at it, it's still funny to this day where he's like, where do we where would he find his house? And then he's got an iPad with Hulk Hogan on it. So turn left on Citrus Avenue, brother. And he's like Citrus, and he just shoots a lemon. I was like, what just happened? And why was that seven seconds? So creatively, there's so much potential there that uh, that I that I find encouraging. Yeah, it makes you wonder how people are going to tell stories when they got three seconds for whatever is going to like the the nanosecond app at some point is coming <laughs> along. How are we going to do this in three seconds? Yeah, I think you're onto something there too, right? Because like you know, we wanted to go the other direction. Like stories used to be like 15 seconds and 30, now a minute, and now it's like, wait, what happens if we go less time instead of more? So now it's only three seconds. To your points, yeah. like how can you tell a story? One second, two second, three second. Um, you may be onto something there. That's the app that, that's not available yet. It is it interesting you see though how with a lot of these platforms they do end up easing their restrictions rather than clamping down on them. Twitter doubled their character size. Facebook. I used to. I I signed up for Facebook because I thought it was like you know a, a living um, yearbook or mm-hmm. a living uh, uh, a photo album or something like that. And now Facebook is Town Square. It's, it's basically everything. So it, it, I've, I I can't think of any platforms where they increased restrictions. Uh, so so there's something interesting about that. I don't know. You guys think of any platforms where they actually made things more restrictive over time? No. It's and it's what's interesting is that like there's a bunch of memes out there where it's like everybody shooting everybody or like pointing at everybody because it's like no I caught I did this first. No TikTok you didn't do this first. Facebook did it and no Instagram did this first. Like. So they're all just copying each other, right? So it's like, who can be the big enough player to kind of warrant the amount of time that we're going to have here? You know, the, the big argument right now is Clubhouse, right? So how can, mm-hmm. where's the, where is there a space for Clubhouse here? Because it's like Facebook's at the party, Instagram's at the party, TikTok. Now LinkedIn's trying to do some stuff for business. Twitter's, you know, kind of like the, you know, the person that was left out there. They, they talk sometimes. But then now there's this clubhouse guy trying to join the party. So it's it's who's gonna be the the main players here. But they're all just copying each other, right? So yeah. Clubhouse came out with the audio feature and then boom, Twitter's like, all right, we're gonna come out with this the same yeah, thing yeah. as well. Well, well, two things to that. Number one, I think LinkedIn really needs to do a dating service. I am not kidding. <laughs> so many professionally minded people, I think, would actually connect with somebody also professionally minded on there. I think LinkedIn dating is uh, is a winner. Uh, and number two. I remember you were telling me about uh, Clubhouse and you were the one that recommended I get on there. And I couldn't, I tried. And at the time, maybe it's changed now, but at the time uh, it was only for Apple or for iOS users and being on, uh, being a peasant that I am on my, on my Android, they, they wouldn't let me in. So you I didn't thought, tell me, oh. you didn't tell us that. So we have to cancel the interview and just kind of scrap everything. <laughs> no, just kidding. The Android is coming out soon though. So it okay. should be, it should be coming out actually within the next, I would say, couple of weeks. They announced that, I think, in beginning of January, beginning of February, maybe. So soon you will be able to hear what we're talking about, literally. Um, I do want to transition here to a couple of rapid-fire questions, more so kind of some fun, and then we'll um, kind of wrap up here. But so, yeah, these unrelated, completely unrelated to Debutify or e-commerce, or maybe they are, I don't know. Uh, so right now there's a lot of streaming services. We got Paramount Plus now at this point. I was just looking at that last night. Um, what's your, what's your what show are you currently watching right now, or what are you guys binging um, through anything? We used to say Netflix, but I think that's now irrelevant, right? Because we all have everything. So what are you currently binging? I have a, a month subscription to Disney Plus because WandaVision intrigued me. Uh, so I so I binged that, and then I'm gonna try to get through as much of Falcon and Winter Soldier as I can before my month expires. So far, it's been pretty good. So I'm like, oh, I see what they're doing. They're just gonna like IV drip the Marvel content so that just as one series ends, I might uh, glom on to another. Mm-hmm. So to answer your question, that's what I'm doing. Um, but you know, I, I I myself one of my one my favorite things to do is. Um, I, I don't know if it's like an act of protest, but sometimes I will like watch YouTube on my TV uh, as opposed to watch TV on my TV. Um, and there and there's one YouTuber who I personally think is like one of the most compelling storytellers across any platform. Uh, he's called the Emp Lemon, uh, or it's short for Emperor Lemon, E-M-P-L-E-M-O-N. 
And he does a number of the, it is a series called Never Ever, where he talks about either like a show or, or a person or a moment in history that under no circumstances could ever be repeated. Um, so I don't know if you guys are big Simpsons fans, but his most recent episode uh, was about how there will never ever be another episode like Homer's Enemy, which is like the pivotal episode of Simpsons with uh, Homer clashing heads with Frank Grimes. Um, I, I, I love that series. And I know that doesn't, it's not like a, a streaming service thing, but you know, that kind of content is in competition with Disney. And For I sure. just wanted to give that content a, a shout out because some of those episodes I rewatched like three or four times because the storytelling is so compelling. Yeah. I think you're onto something there in general, right? Which is that the more that we find community or niches, like with what we like, so like you and Christian could definitely watch uh, WandaVision and stuff like, like there's that community of people there, right? So they go to Disney plus. Then there's another group of people who are community, like they just love maybe their old TV shows. So they found them on Netflix and they're going to watch just that. So it's everybody now has the choice. It's not just like cable where we had, this was what was available to us. So there may be a YouTube series, which, I'm actually a huge fan of the um, Cobra Kai, which was a YouTube series turned Netflix show. And yeah, I love that. So I love that show. It's now it's literally they're about to shoot the uh, the next season because it's been so popular. Um, so I think you're on to something there as far as the community side and and more so the niching down of like, hey, this is what interests me. And this is the platform that I'm going to spend my time on. And, you know, there's enough for everybody at that point. We don't have to watch cable where there's 300 channels. It's just like. This is what I like. Yeah. And I'll, I mean, I would argue that YouTube also has, uh, like you said, like great storytellers who know how to tell a story while still doing very creative things. Uh, so I myself, I'm, you know, spending hours on on YouTube just watching really awesome creators um, do really cool stuff. Um, quick question. Have you ever Googled your name? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say like once a week, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I do it quite a bit. In fact, why don't I do this for you guys right now? Uh, I'm still being beaten out by the uh, realtor in, uh, in Vaughn. Uh, I, I, I do know another Joseph Ianni personally, who is a, he, he, he's a, he's a poet. Uh, so he's eclipsed me. Uh, let's see. So the real estate guy, real estate guy, I think. And the Joseph Ianni profiles. Okay. I'm the first on the uh, on the list, but I think that's just because I searched it and I'm already pre-logged in. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you guys a, a story. Um, just like a, a Italian, uh, 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 just Italian things where I wanted to try winning this uh, lottery that we have here called the Princess Margaret Home Hospital uh, Heart Attack Lottery, something like that. And I knew that, okay, this is a rabbit hole. So my strategy is I'm going to try to win the cash calendar and the money I win from that, I would use for to re-enter the cash calendar, try to build up capital and then enter one of the bigger lotteries and secure a condo. Okay, so I lost, but what was cool was I was uh, checking my name on the on the daily winnings because it was 30 days worth of winnings. And I got to see every variation of Ayani possible. There was uh, Riccardo Giannini. Uh, there was uh, uh, Trevor Iannicelli. And I was like, oh, wow. So close yet so far. <laughs> Interesting. So I think it's because we're in Dallas, but there was some sort of Dallas mobster who had the exact same name that you have. And for some reason, when I Googled your entire name, the first two results were about that particular mobster. Uh, so I thought it was kind of interesting. I thought that there was like, oh, yeah, man. it's like proximity based, right? Because <laughs> yeah, like Vaughn yeah, yeah. is like just north of Toronto. So so he would he would top pop up. I, I recently got ExpressVPN. So I don't I have to, I have two uh, PC accounts. I have my Joseph Ianni account, which is like my leisure one. And then I have Procef, which is what I do here. Uh, and I don't think I have ExpressVPN on Procef, which is an anomaly in of itself. But I bet you if I logged onto like a Singapore VPN, I'd probably get like the the true organic results because yeah. who in Singapore is searching for Joseph Ianni? Right. Right. Dang. Yeah, we're gonna have to read up. You should go read up on your mobster self, unless that is you. I don't know what era that was. Could from, be family. But, I don't know. Um, <laughs> of that family. But that part's a given. Well, but. I was gonna say. Well, you said that by contract you couldn't talk bad about your last quote unquote sales job. So <laughs> going going to these uh, going to the stores, and be like, so uh, you notice you can't sell these watches, but uh, we can move these watches for you. Yeah, exactly. This all is aligning right now. Um, okay, last real quick question for you. Um, so what's the last purchase of $100 or less that has 
most positively impacted your life? My uh, my my uh, Legend of Zelda Tumblr. Nice. Yeah, use this bad boy nearly every day. Keep well, things I like cold, those quick answers. Do it. I like those quick answers. Yeah. It's like a lot of thinking. It's like yes. My this bug. is it. <laughs> this is it. Shout out to English breakfast, and by that I mean the tea. Oh my goodness, is this thing good? Like I, I was like, I'm trying to find coffee substitutes. And so that was my 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 metric or my comparison. But my God, English breakfast with milk and honey is just delicious. I even mean not a tea drinker, give it a shot, please. Please. Are right. you a cold brew drinker? Sure. Yeah. I'm happy. Warm, cold, both uh, both good. I was gonna say we had a guy on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's over in New York. It's a, it's called Bucci Coffee. Um, I was gonna s- send you over his link. You can check out. It's uh, Christian tried it. Not even a coffee drinker and said it was pretty good. Yeah. So um, definitely check him out. All right, we've uh, definitely got a lot of good stuff here. So I'm gonna close us out. Um, but thank you so much, Joseph. Really appreciate your time and knowledge. And we're gonna link up everything here. But just so everybody knows, uh, what's the best way for them to connect with you and Dubuify? Great. So you can, um, if you if you're interested in the podcast at all, uh, you can email podcast at debutify.com. And uh, I'll be checking that and I'll get back in touch with you. Uh, our website is uh, debutify.com. That is D-E-B, don't screw this up, Joseph, U-T-I-F-Y.com. Um, Debutify on YouTube is a great resource too. We have we put out video content every week, uh, teaching winning products, uh, research strategies, really any, anything you need to not only get started, but really get the ball rolling. Awesome. All right, yeah, we'll grab those links and put that into the show notes as well, and we'll release this not only on the podcast, but uh, video um, online through Facebook um, and Instagram as well. So thank you so much for jumping on, um, and we really appreciate your time. So well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Marketing Natives. Hope you enjoyed this one with Joseph. He gave a lot of really good information about Debutify, but more so the e-commerce industry. If you found value in this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend. And if you are feeling super advantageous, screenshot this, share it on Instagram stories and tag us, and we will give it you a shout out as well um, on the podcast and through Instagram. It just lets us know that you're listening and that you're out there. Um, we really appreciate that. If you've been listening for a while, please make sure to uh, leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people, and it also lets us know how we should continue to update the content. So do you like the content we're producing right now? Do you want different content? Uh, what is it that's going to be helpful for you? And if this is your first time and this is your first episode and you were like, wow, that was great. Um, I hope there's more interviews. I hope there's more content like that. Make sure you hit the subscribe button no matter where you're at um, and listening to this because we put out episodes every single Monday. All right, guys. So that's all we have for this week. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. The Marketing Natives Podcast is a production of Bit Branding. 